Hello, everyone. We are back with the Crossover Across Time podcast as Wednesday of week three. No, the podcast has not been canceled. We are back. Um, but of course, I do need to apologize real quick for the uh, confusion, if there was any with uh, potential listeners, about the schedule at this point. Uh, of course, last week, I did address the fact that we would not have a show on Friday. Uh, so we were covered there. I had travel plans uh, to visit my family. So we did not have a show planned for Friday. However, we did have a show planned for Monday that fell through simply because of my um, uh, extension of those travel plans uh, and a failure to to uh, to let the listener know, you, uh, but also uh, get in touch with my co-host. But it turns out we had already talked, uh, of course, Monday's co-host being Wyatt, we had talked last week after recording last week's show that he would not be able to do a show Monday anyways. So not only was I not prepared, but I had forgotten that we wouldn't be able to do a show anyways, or at least Wyatt would not be able to do a show. So totally dropped the ball on Monday. And then, of course, Tuesday uh, was returning home. Tuesday, of course, also being known as yesterday, um, was returning home from those travel plans and uh, got home and slept a lot longer than I thought I would. So we're back here. We're back on Wednesday doing some of the same things we've done in previous days, trying to summarize multiple days of NBA action, and we won't be able to cover everything. But as I've promised before, I can only do my best to promise again. <clears throat> we are going to, to summarize our best and come back strong tomorrow. Uh, Remains to be seen if I will or will not have a co-host for tomorrow's show. Still getting in contact with the other hosts. Um, those issues, whether I have a co-host or not, usually are down to my ability to get in contact with them and me getting shows uh, scheduled and planned out in the first place. So um, if you have to blame anybody, blame me. But regardless, we're going to get into the show. Real quick, I have a quick little... Um, soapbox for random uh random discussion but promise somebody i'd talk about it so we're going to talk about it um i get bothered sometimes that people give places like olive garden and panda express crap for not being um quote-unquote authentic when that's not really the point of the restaurants, especially Panda Express is labeled as American Chinese cuisine. It's not trying to be ultra authentic. Uh, the same with Olive Garden. So, you know, both those places are great. Let's give them credit for what they are. Don't expect them to be ultra authentic and just enjoy the food they provide because they have good food. Um, ultra off topic, but that's besides the point. And it's hopefully something, some food for thought, no pun intended. Um, as we now get into the actual meat of, no pun intended, the meat of the the show itself and, of course, the NBA action, uh, we're going to start with some game summaries. Again, we're not going to be able to talk about every game. Um, I have the NBA schedule pulled up from the last week, and we're looking at something like, you know, 30-ish games. You know, we're not going to be able to talk about all of that, or at least not, we won't be able to talk about that and maintain a fairly succinct show so we are going to focus on just a handful of um notable games we're actually going to talk about two games um one of them from let's see when was this this was last th thursday i believe 
no, last Friday, excuse me, last Friday. And then tonight, uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Boston, Boston Celtics had uh, two games against each other closely, uh, closely lined up in the schedule. The Celtics hosted the first of these games, um, which was an overtime game in which the Cavaliers won 132 to 123. And then just barely tonight, they finished up another overtime game, this time in Cleveland, and this time a little bit closer, a very close finish. The Cavaliers win 114 to 113. Um, And the storyline here, of course, is um, Cleveland winning both of these. You know, you look at the roster and you wonder, does Cleveland maybe have a little bit more talent? I think that Boston has um, the stronger duo in Tatum and Brown. Of course, we saw what they did last year, especially in the Eastern Conference playoffs. Um, And in the first game of these two games in in the past week, Brown and Tatum combined for 64. They each had 32. They had strong games. Um, The rest of the roster was okay-ish, but maybe not what you'd like to see. Well, meanwhile, Donovan Mitchell and Karis LeVert led the charge for Cleveland, combining for 82 points, both each scoring 41. Uh, Just phenomenal scoring from them. Jared Allen and Evan Mobley, 10 boards each, and balanced scoring from them as well. Uh, Just a strong showing from Cleveland in that first game. In the game from tonight's slate, uh, Darius Garland returning. I think he missed a few games with injury, and he had a very strong game. 29 points, 12 assists, and three steals, along with five boards, playing that near perfect kind of point guard role. Mitchell strong, not as solid as in that other game, but still solid. Allen with 14 and 14 Mobley and Lavert filling up the rest of the stat sheet and Boston had a solid attack. Brown and Tatum combining for 56 uh, Tatum with 12 boards as did Al Horford combined with 12 points. Marcus smart, 16 points. Um, but Cleveland still able to find a way to win that game. Uh, and that kind of will take care of one, of one of my early key news or or talking points is the, the renewal of the uh, Celtics Cavaliers rivalry, which I think is something exciting to, uh, to see, to talk about a little bit. Um, you know, we've had it in recent years, of course, when LeBron was still in Cleveland, his second go around in Cleveland, but also his first. The second go-around in Cleveland, uh, the very first years of Jason Tatum being there, the Kyrie Irving trade to Boston, Isaiah Thomas when he was at his peak, and then LeBron's first stint in Cleveland with Paul Pierce and Garnett. You know, and so they've they've had recent uh, rivalries. They've of course had uh, battles in the seventies. I think was also a great time for a little bit of a rivalry there. So. So I think that's a fun rivalry to see some teams with some good history. Of course, the Celtics with a tremendous history. Um, but those are my, that's my first talking points. And we'll talk a little bit more about Mitchell specifically later. Uh, another game or rather a performance we can focus on. Uh, the Sixers did beat the Raptors. I believe this was a Friday night game. And Tyrese Maxey uh, scored a career high 44 points. Phenomenal to see from him. He's going to be uh, a big factor. Of course, the two main factors for the Sixers as everyone's already going to talk about, is Harden and Embiid. It looks like Embiid did not play in this game. Uh, Minor injury or illness, uh, wishing the best there. I'm sure he's probably back from that at this point. I don't know a lot of details about that. 
But Maxi, 44 points, if he can be that third scoring option or maybe even takes the scoring that you'd expect from Harden and Harden can just focus on, you know, the playmaking that maybe he's wanting to lean more towards in these recent years, then, you know, Philly can be in a good position. But right now they've been a little bit iffy starting the season, so we'll be looking for that. Uh, next, uh, I think this was also a Friday game. Uh, Rudy Gobert dropped 20 and 20 as the Timberwolves kept the Lakers winless at that point. Um, yeah, Gobert 22 points, 21 rebounds, two blocks. Anthony Edwards adds 29 points. Um, the Lakers, of course, LeBron with 28 points. Um, but the rest of the team not finding a ton of scoring to support that. Westbrook with 18 coming off of the bench in that game. Interesting uh story there. Um that was another game. I think this game, uh, Pistons-Warriors, I believe this was Sunday night's game, uh, the Pistons were able to beat the Warriors. Of course, the Warriors are a talking point. Maybe not uh, something we'll talk about a lot tonight, but if we don't, I'm sure we'll talk about it in coming weeks. Uh, the Pistons beat the Warriors 128-114, to uh, and the Pistons snapped a, a little losing skid of their own. Uh, in that game, Curry had 32, Jordan Poole had 30. Uh, the rest of the team, though, struggled to fill in that scoring uh, that was needed. But the Pistons had four players score 20 or more points. Isaiah Stewart with 13 boards, Cunningham with 10 rebounds, nine assists, nearly the triple-double there for the sophomore guard. Ivy, after his strong start, maybe having some some early rookie struggles, but... Uh, still 15, solid enough to help get his team the victory there. Then uh, this game, I believe, was Sunday night's game as well. The Lakers finally did pick up their first win of the season against the Denver Nuggets. That was in Los Angeles. They won 121-110. to 110. Uh, Looking at the scores for that game, Jokic did his normal stuff, 23 points, 14 boards, and six assists along with two blocks, a little bit more of the defense than you're accustomed to seeing. The Lakers had a very strong game from Anthony Davis, 23 points, 15 boards, a steal and a block, uh, doing his usual style of play. LeBron added 26 points uh, with eight assists, six boards. Uh, Westbrook, 18 off the bench on pretty efficient scoring. And the rest of the team was able to do enough to help the Lakers snap their early skid and their uh, potential panic arising in Los Angeles to get the win there. Next, uh, the Miami Heat beat the Warriors, again, feeding into that discussion of the Warriors' struggles in this first uh, couple weeks of the season. Uh, Warriors' third straight loss uh, as the Miami Heat won in that game. I think that was a Monday night game, um, potentially Tuesday night. Curry had 13 rebounds, 13 assists, and 23 points. Clay uh, came back. He did not play in the game previous to this, but he had 19 points. Wiggins with 21 points. Uh, Miami had five players in double figures, including Duncan Robinson, 17 points. Uh, of course, that was a storyline in last year's playoffs, uh, the coaching decisions around Duncan Robinson. Bam Adebayo, three steals and a block, along with 19 points, seven boards, six assists. Uh, Jimmy Butler, 23, and his usual uh, rebounding and assists. 
and Miami comes out on top in that game. And finally, uh, this, I believe, is a game from tonight's slate. We can double-check that real quick. Um, the Raptors beat the Spurs 143-100, uh, to 43-point deficit for San Antonio, and that was in San Antonio. So an incredible job for Toronto in that game. Uh, seven players in double figures. Pascal Siakam with the triple-double, 22 points, 10 rebounds, 11 assists. Uh, great stuff from him. And they have the rookie Coloco starting at center in that game. Very interesting move. Uh, he's shown some promise from what I've heard, uh, and I'll hopefully be able to get a little bit better idea of that going forward. Uh, and of course, Scotty Barnes, uh, not as solid as we've seen, but the the reigning rookie of the year, providing some some scoring and some you know defense and the the intangibles, those sorts of things. Uh, looking at the Spurs, only uh, three guys in double figures. The high scorer, Kata Bates-Diop, with 17 points. Um, I know that they've had some injury issues. They recently had to sign Jordan Hall, and they had the Joshua Primo uh, release, and we'll talk about that with our key news. Um, but San Antonio struggling after they've had an honestly solid start to the season. Um, but regardless, that hopefully – catches us up on some of the the noteworthy games there's plenty of games that had some maybe high scoring individual performances or higher scoring games and we can get into those uh potentially if i have a chance to review this and make a note of some games we didn't have a chance to talk about uh but regardless um those are some of the ones that stood out to me others from tonight's slate the bucks beat the pistons 116 to 91 that's maybe more of a excuse me, a result you might expect. Um, Pistons fall to two and seven. Bucks are seven and oh, the lone remaining undefeated team. Clippers beat the Rockets. Bulls beat the Hornets. A lot of these um, kind of more results you might expect. Uh, Wizards beat the 76ers, 121 to 111. Um, and right now, currently, there are two games still finishing up play. The Grizzlies and the Trailblazers. Grizzly lead, Grizzlies lead that by nine points going into the fourth. And then the Lakers-Pelicans, Lakers lead that by 13 uh, midway through the third quarter. So, again, that's kind of our first goal. Hopefully get caught up on the key action. Um, we'll talk about more individual teams with uh, our power rankings, and we can jump right into that. Well, first, let's actually talk about key news and get some of those sto storylines out of the way. Firstly, it's impossible to talk about the NBA of the last two or three days without talking about the Brooklyn Nets. And they always get attention, of course, because they have some star players. They have Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant and recently acquired Ben Simmons in the trade last year. Uh, I believe it was nearby the trade deadline-ish, uh, of course, the, the James Harden-Ben Simmons trade. Um, but in a sense, they've recently acquired Ben Simmons because he's finally started to play for them. Uh, coming with the, the beginning of this season. And there's there were already some storylines with this team uh, after the interesting offseason they had, um, the questions surrounding Ben Simmons' play, and then, of course, um, adding in the Kevin Durant trade request that was not, uh, was not honored, and he had to return, and they had to figure out how to have him play and be happy. The, you know, rumors of... Irving and Durant's working relationship. But now there's been even more to add to this. Firstly, it begins with, and if you're an NBA fan in any sense, you've already heard about this, but we 
we wouldn't be doing our job as a basketball podcast trying to summarize things if we didn't talk about it. So, of course, we have to talk about it. Uh, Kyrie Irving's uh, posting of a uh, book and movie that promotes anti-Semitic tropes or uh, stereotypes. And that has sent the media world into a frenzy. It's gotten people talking. Uh, Irving was asked in an a post-game interview about the post and he doubled down and also said that it was not in his eyes promotion that he was simply posting something. Um, this in combination with previous posts that he's had uh, that have caused media controversy. We can talk about the whole flat earth thing. Um, there was also mention of an Alex Jones uh, bit, uh, con- the controversial figure, Alex Jones. And so this incident though has brought about questions that you shouldn't have to have with a player um and you know i can't talk too much about the the political things but of course anti-semitism is is hateful and you you hate to see that from anyone and especially you know you think about someone in his position with uh that type of social media following that type of influence on on the younger people i mean athletes are some of the most uh prominent and powerful voices for uh for younger people um in the world today and so to have him post something like that a link to a book or a website uh it's hard to to not call that promotion in at least some sort of sense but regardless that has caused uh even more drama surrounding a team that has already been struggling to start the season uh they were one and five they're two and six so they've improved slightly but they are still not a good team uh with much more talent than what they are playing at. And so that's already causing more issues. And then uh, Steve Nash, prior to this whole uh, Kyrie Irving scenario, this kerfuffle, if you want to use a a funny word, um, Steve Nash had challenged his team asking if they wanted, if they really wanted to win, if their heart was actually in playing the game of basketball and trying to win games then the whole Kyrie situation comes out. He spoke about it. The team lost again. And uh, Steve Nash is fired. Uh, first reported that Steve Nash is fired, and then shortly after reported by Woj, who I believe broke the, nose, the news about him being fired. Uh, Woj also followed up by saying this decision was actually a mutual decision, that management and Nash believed it was best for them to part ways. And so they have an interim coach, uh, Jacques Vaughn, who I believe actually had a coaching stint with them previously. Let me double check. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 2019, 2020, uh, probably after Kenny Atkinson was fired. Um, if I had to guess, but I'm not sure exactly. He did uh, coach the Orlando Magic for a few years. I was aware of that. But regardless, Jacques Vaughn is now the uh, interim coach. You have Kyrie Irving's social media uh, issues. And then, of course, this re-ignites uh, the conversation that we had in the offseason with Steve Nash now being fired and the discussion that was had or the words that were kind of the rumors of Kevin Durant requesting or demanding that both Nash and general manager Sean Marks were both would both be fired and that was the only thing that would keep him in Brooklyn. Uh, that uh rumored request at the time was not honored but now steve nash is fired and so uh there was a clip of an interview where he was asked about that and he 
was very uh very calm in his demeanor didn't seem overly uh incensed or surprised by the news and so with all that said with Kyrie Irving's continued uh distractions off the court with uh with social media with his uh whether you want to call them his actual beliefs or what people assume to be his beliefs things that he's sharing and promoting um or certainly bringing greater exposure uh due to his platform and his influence this is a team that is in all sorts of a mess um I believe the title I'm using for this podcast is As the Nets Turn, uh, play on the As the World Turns, uh, the, the soap opera, I believe, from the 70s. Uh, I wanted to call this one uh, Days of Our Nets, but I didn't want to steal a bit from a certain prominent YouTuber. But that point aside, uh, same idea. This is a team that we seem to be talking about them for all the wrong reasons. We're talking about... Uh, you know, players not getting along, players not trusting the management or the coaching, uh, players' personal issues. And we're not talking about, well, how is the team playing? Well, let's talk about that for just a second. Uh, not well. That's that's a short answer. They're two and six. They do have some injury concerns. Of course, uh, Seth Curry's been in and out. Uh, ben Simmons has had some, you know, He's coming back from a uh, an injury that's taken him out of a lot of games. Uh, and then they're signing one of their big offseason signings, TJ Warren, has not played yet. Uh, it seems like more recent news has slated him for a return sometime this month, potentially. Um, you know, there's still a lot to be seen there. But if you look at the, the stats, the team is going by the way of Durant and Irving, if they score in high volume numbers, they have an okay chance to win. And they're having to do that night after night, which you expect them to be good scorers. But the team just does not have any scoring to go along with them. Seth Curry has not posted any points this season. Again, he's only played one game, 18 minutes. They're working him back in the lineup. Joe Harris averaging six points a game. This is a guy that just a few years ago was, you know, in conversation for most improved player, uh, three-point marksman, you know, 14 points a game. He's averaging half that. His three-point shooting is not as sharp as it has been. Claxton, the starting center, 12 points. This is a guy they've been bringing along uh, for a few years now. And he has some some good size, length, and, and some potential. They like what they see in him. Um, he's doing okay, but he's not providing maybe the so- scoring support you'd like to see. And then, of course, Ben Simmons. I've talked about him a lot. I have to talk about him, about him again. Six points a game. Six points a game from a guy that you're, you know, how much they're paying him. And even if you want to talk about his Philadelphia days, where there were complaints then about his um, not, maybe you call it not an interest in scoring or not looking to score, he was still averaging in his four years in Philly uh, nearly 16 points a game. It's still not maybe what you'd like to see, but it's certainly better than six points a game. Uh, 44% uh, from the floor, 46% from the free throw line. He's a, He seems like he's afraid to shoot free throws or um, hesitant, unconfident in his ability to shoot free throws. The rebounding and assists are fine. Six and a half boards, seven assists. 
one, 1. 1.2 steals, 0. 0.7 blocks. Like he's defensively solid and he's making the plays and he's, he's grabbing the boards. He's got the great size and good athleticism. We know this, but six points a game, there's a difference between being a defender and a playmaker and scoring secondly and not wanting to score not being a willing scorer. And for as high profile as he is, he needs to do more. Royce O'Neal, you know, 11 points a game. I love Royce O'Neal. He's a jazz guy. Even though I hate to see him go, I, you know, will always have a part of me rooting for him. You know, you'd even like to see him score a little more, maybe more like 14 points a game rather than 11. And so Irving and Durant, honestly, they're doing their jobs. Even if you have complaints with Kyrie Irving uh, off the court, which are certainly valid, those two are doing what they need to do and what they're best at, and that's scoring. And, you know, maybe some assists or doing some other things along the way. Those two are, you know, doing what they need to as far as the stats and, and their style of play, generally speaking. But the rest of this team, I have some serious questions about. And now you have these off-court issues coming up. And so what we'll do now is I'm going to put a little bit of a, um, not a, uh, what's the word, an embargo or a, uh, a rule against us talking about the Nets. We will have to discuss the Nets as the years go, year goes on, the season goes on. But I hope to talk about them in much less detail. If you think about Charles Barkley last year, everyone kept talking about the Lakers as the year got on, and he got tired of it because they were a bad team. And I will probably get the same way with the Nets. So I've talked about them a lot. I'll probably have to talk about them a little bit more. But for now, that's the bulk of what I want to talk about with the Brooklyn Nets. So let's see if we can move on here. Let's talk about some other key news. Um, Joshua Primo, this was kind of a surprise thing coming out of San Antonio. Joshua Primo, uh, a recent, uh, I think he was even a first round pick, maybe even a lottery pick. Uh, let me double check that. But he was uh, released by the San Antonio Spurs, uh, caught a lot of people off guard. Yeah, he was a lottery pick, 12th overall in the 2021 NBA draft. And he was suddenly dropped by the San Antonio Spurs four games into the season. Um, reports have come out. Uh, he apparently spoke to Woj himself and Woj reported that, uh, Primo said he had been dealing with some personal issues, but then later there were reports that, uh, there were actually some potential sexual harassment issues or at least allegations or rumors of, of something to that effect. We don't know, of course, uh, the substance or extent of, substantial nature or extent of those claims that remains to be seen. Uh, of course, those are things to be taken serious. Uh, and the the full extent of that will be hopefully reported on it, uh, as soon as it can be uh, made clear. But those are certainly alarming things to hear about. Yeah, you can understand the organization making a decision like that to release a player, um, even with rumors like that. Um, and so, well, it'll remain to be seen. He was a, a player who hadn't gotten a great amount of time. I mean, I'm sure he's had some time and has been kind of mixed in his performance. Um, to be honest, he's a player I'm not ultra familiar with as far as his skill set. Um, but we'll see. Maybe he gets picked up by some other team. Maybe uh, the there's more information that comes out and there's even more serious things. Or maybe there's some sort of false narrative with rumors. I mean, it's, it's hard to really say without much information on the situation, 
But that's uh, a quick update on that. They've released him. They filled that roster spot with Jordan Hall, who they had previously cut. So we'll see how the Spurs do uh, with some recent injuries and now this coming up uh, on the roster. Lakers, of course, have continued to struggle. There's the continual talk with Russell Westbrook and the fit and all those things. We'll have a chance to talk about it more tomorrow uh, in coming weeks. I had a note. That's all we'll talk about tonight. DeMar DeRozan uh, passes the 20,000-point uh, scoring mark, uh, an incredible benchmark for any player. Um, of course, as a guy who's been a great scorer his whole career, um, I believe I saw something that when it happened during the game, it was in San Antonio, uh, Greg Popovich, who he had, who had coached DeMar DeRozan in San Antonio, called a timeout to allow the crowd more time to honor DeMar DeRozan, give him, you know, the recognition that he deserves for that landmark uh, scoring accomplishment. So that was nice to see. Um, league scoring, this is a general point. There have been discussions about league scoring being the highest it's been in quite some time. Uh, of course, we've talked about previously the fact that they've changed the take foul rule, and that's certainly uh, one of the factors, but I'm sure there are other things in league scoring increases. I'm sure I'll have more chance to talk about that as some more games are played and we have some more concrete numbers to discuss with that. Finally, the G League will tip off this Friday. Of course, that will allow us to have um, that background league that's going on that can provide some players who will come up and, and provide an impact. There's not a great wealth. There, there's certainly a great amount of players who have been able to play on two-way contracts, be called up uh, due to roster injuries or other concerns. Um, I think last season there was a good amount of that with uh, the covid uh, questions players last season season prior uh, players in the protocols and having to sign guys to play for for short stretches um, maybe not we won't see the same extent of players being brought up but certainly still something to, to watch out for and I think there are you know a handful of players uh, Alex Crusoe is one that has come to mind where you know they've played some G League time they've played you know two-way contracts and they've emerged as um solid or even very solid in his case uh role players starters in the nba who can contribute to winning basketball so it's something to keep in mind that again the g league tips off on friday so we'll keep our eyes and ears open for that real quick let's jump to power rankings this is what we normally talk about on monday we'll talk about it here on the wednesday show so because we didn't have a chance to earlier in the week uh, I quickly threw together my power rankings, and there's been quite a bit of uh, up and down in this rankings. Um, the big things to talk about, I have Milwaukee at number one. They're still undefeated right now. Phoenix at number two. Those two teams who are up high in my early rankings are the two that have stayed there, along with the Celtics. Celtics have dropped a bit, but they're still solid. Cleveland has made a huge jump. I have them at number four. They've been very solid. Donovan Mitchell leading the charge for them. We'll talk a little bit more about him in a second. Uh, Portland and Utah, five and six. Those two teams are in the top four in the West when no one expected them to be quite that good, especially the Jazz. Um, <clears throat> so we have to recognize what they've done. Uh, seven through nine, I have Bulls, Hawks, and Raptors. They've been the, some of the stronger teams in the East, along with Bucks, Celtics, Cavs. Um, so I felt good about putting them there. Then similarly, Pelicans, Nuggets, Grizzlies, and Timberwolves. That is 10 through 
13, as well as Spurs 14, Mavericks 15. Uh, that group has been highly competitive. Pelicans kind of edging out that group with Nuggets. Um, Spurs actually have the best record of those six, but again, roster, roster concerns, injury concerns, I have them down a little bit. Um, but that group has been uh, leading the charge behind the Suns, the Trailblazers, and the Jazz in the Western Conference, behind the Mavericks at 16 in the bottom half of the league. I actually have the Golden State Warriors. They topped the, the list in weeks one or uh, the preseason and after week one. But after their recent stretch of basketball, I have them at 16. They have had some big uh, question marks, some some in, maybe some injuries, maybe not, but the, the team gelling has been a concern. Behind them, the Oklahoma City Thunder, they've taken a huge leap. They've been productive. Shea Gilzers-Alexander has been uh, defensively stout, and they're doing well. 18, the Clippers. Clippers have taken a drop as well as the Warriors. Uh, after them, Wizards, Heat, Sixers, Knicks, Pacers, Hornets. I have that kind of a lump group there. Wizards are uh, currently four and four. That group has been pretty inconsistent and have some question marks. I think some of these guys, like the Heat and the Sixers, you would expect them to pull things together and rise in the rankings. Uh, and maybe teams like the Knicks or Pacers have a chance to rise a little bit. Maybe they drop a little bit. They're a little more volatile. 25, I have the Detroit Pistons staying the same from last uh, last week's power rankings. They've they've got some great young talent that I am excited about, and I want to see that team break out so badly, but they just haven't been able to pull it together yet. Next, the Brooklyn Nets fall from 14 to 26. They're just not very good, and uh, we'll leave it at that. We've talked about them enough. Sacramento Kings, 27. Los Angeles Lakers, 28. Yes, the Los Angeles Lakers, with that talent, are ranked 28. They're very bad. And then finally, 29 and 30, the Orlando Magic and the Houston Rockets. That rounds out my power rankings for week two. Uh, again, we will have a more clear week three power rankings where I'll be able to go a little bit more in depth on these things. But that's where we stand right now. We've got our power rankings. We've gotten our game summaries. Uh, we'll be able to summarize uh, as much as we can of tonight's games uh, once we get to the end of the podcast. Now let's jump into wrapping up some short segments that we've missed from uh, the previous week. Firstly, let's talk about the week two MVP. We introduced this last week uh, on Monday's episode with Wyatt. And again, it will be next week uh, with Wyatt that we'll name our week three MVP. We'll try and do a consensus MVP. Um, again, we don't have a video podcast at the moment, so you can't see the, uh, the trophy that we've, uh, picked out to be able to award to this weekly MVP. But regardless, I have it here. It's a cool kind of opaque uh, chalice or goblet looking thing. It's it's quite cool. Uh, some sort of glass or ceramic. But uh, week one, we had two different picks. Uh, Wyatt picked John Morant. I picked Damian Lillard. Looking back at it, I think uh, we should go with John Morant for the week one MVP. He had an electric start. He's still playing very well. Um, Grizzlies as a team not doing so well but that week one start the team was hot he was playing well and uh, I think he's a solid pick for the week one MVP but since I've gone with Wyatt's pick for week one now it's up to me to pick our week two MVP and I think the clear choice has to be Donovan Mitchell um, there's other good candidates um, 
looking back, oh, who were the other? There were some great candidates for um for MVP. Let me see if I can pull that up um really quick. Uh NBA apologize. I do I did have this information pulled up uh very recently and closed this tab. Uh NBA player stats. Season leaders. Yeah, this is what I was just oh here we go. Season player stats. Uh no. There was somewhere I was on that I was able to look at um in the last three games, what did they um average and things like that. Giannis was a strong case, Shea Gilders Alexander, those two were the players named by the NBA for players of the week from both the Eastern Conference and Western Conference. Giannis in the East, SJ in the West, of course. Um, and they did have very strong weeks themselves. Uh, but again, I think we got to go with Mitchell. The Cavs have rocketed themselves into the conversation for top team in the East or one of the top teams, uh, probably right at this moment in time, midway through or part of the way through week three, you'd have to say they're pretty much right behind Milwaukee. They beat Boston twice um, and they're six and one. They are in my mind, right behind Milwaukee for best team in the Eastern conference. And I, um, you know, there's a decent gap between one and two and uh, or that, that top two Milwaukee and Cleveland and the rest of the crowd. I think Boston will, has a good chance of coming back to, to rejoin that conversation and probably should. Uh, but regardless, Mitchell has been electric in what he's done. He's just been, you know, high scoring, highly efficient. You know, we look at his stats, and this will not include stats from tonight's game, but his stats so far in the season, excluding tonight's game. Uh, he's played all six games for Cleveland, 39 points, of course, all seven, counting tonight's game. Uh, nearly 50% from the floor, 45% from three. You have to think that that's going to drop a little bit. Um 85% from the free throw line, 32 points, seven assists, four and a half boards, and 1.7 steals. He's doing, he's playing his game, but with efficiency that we haven't seen from him in the past or haven't seen consistently, more playmaking and a little bit stronger defensive play. Now he does have a little more uh, turnovers and personal fouls, but that's also potentially a good sign in the sense that he's playing a little bit more aggressive. Um, a little more engaged if you want to think of it that way. But regardless, he's been playing winning basketball, not just strong statistical basketball, but winning basketball for a uh, strong Cleveland team that has some great team basketball and some great depth. You have to expect them to be a force barring injury in the Eastern Conference. And of course, that means Donovan Mitchell is our pick for week two's MVP of course rejoin that segment next week on monday with wyatt and we will name a mvp for week uh week three now let's real quick talk about a bold prediction and then we will close up the show first i will just share my last thought on the brooklyn nets i promised i wouldn't talk about them anymore but i forgot my prediction talked about the nets so i'll share my prediction uh remember last week my prediction talked about the nets but I'll share this last one, and then, again, we'll put a little bit of a, uh, you know, a, a, a 
rule against or limit our conversation about the Nets because uh, if I talk about the Nets this whole year, I'm sure there's going to be five other storylines that come out and the team will somehow slip into the playoffs and be somewhat competitive and then lose. But regardless, we are um, going to talk about them a little bit with our bold prediction. Uh, just one prediction for me, as much as I hate to say it and the times I've defended this player in the past, my new bold prediction, Kyrie Irving, will be traded or bought out by the Nets. Now, I don't know the exact uh, particulars of his contract as far as years, salary. I think he just barely signed an extension um, in the offseason, if I remember correctly. And um, no, actually, he didn't. He, he has one year left, I think. I don't remember exactly. Um but and I don't know what a, a trade package would look like as far as teams interested, what you'd get in return, or what you need to get in return to make the trade happen. But it's becoming more and more of an issue. Um, when you think back to the Cleveland days and before LeBron made his his return to Cleveland to play with Kyrie, Kyrie Irving was one of my favorite players, and he was just you know a smooth player with a great handle. When LeBron joined him he was still playing his game i still remember that 2016 finals they had i mean who doesn't remember that that's one of the greatest final series of all time of course cleveland coming back from a 3-1 deficit but it was lebron and Kyrie, the other team the other teammates you know tristan thompson and kevin love were just filling in the blanks and lebron and Kyrie just tore the warriors apart with scoring rebounds assists you know lebron adding the defensive edge and it was just unbelievable i can't it would be hard you'd be hard pressed to find a more dominant stretch of games in a final series than from two teammates than Kyrie and lebron had in the last four games you know three four games to uh claim that series and that title Kyrie hits the the game you know, winning in a sense, you know, they take the three-point lead, three-pointer in the face of Curry, and then LeBron with the rejection on Iguodala and the one or two free throws with the potentially injured hand, and they seal that series. You know, Kyrie was unbelievable. And then he gets traded to Boston for Isaiah Thomas. And since that Boston trade, it has just been – a player who is an enigma and I've tried to defend him in the past by saying he's not a basketball player. He's an artist, you know, he's won his championship. He's not worried about trying to to win or he's not as worried about trying to win. He just wants to play the game. He loves playing and be an artist. And he's, you know, the I, in my mind has the greatest handle in the history of the game. Um, and he's been unbelievable. You know, he puts up high, high scoring, both with Boston and with Brooklyn, high scoring, incredible handle, can make some passes that are exciting. And he's just such a creative player to watch. But in recent years, it it gets harder and harder to kind of put the, the craziness of him aside. And I'm someone who really likes to not focus on the personal, the political, the whatever with, players because i for me sports are an escape from all those sorts of things but 
he's a distraction from his team. He his high scoring hasn't contributed to them winning. Um, and these distractions are getting more and more serious. And especially with this most recent one being, uh, of course, as we've talked about, the anti-Semitic uh, issues. You know, it's one thing for him to say he believes the earth is flat, right? That's sort of funny. Maybe you don't know if he's serious or not, but it doesn't really harm anybody. But now if you have him talking about anti-Semitic views or promoting material that is anti-Semitic, it's uh, it's scary. And it's also distracting and does not help his team. So, you know, I, I can't help but feel like he's almost if you have to compare him to somebody and it's not a great comparison, but so, someone that I just kind of thought of that came to mind when talking about a player like this, who's getting in his own way um, outside of the, the field of play is Antonio Brown. And it's a different circumstance. You know, Antonio Brown had his own issues that he dealt with and is still kind of figuring out, but a player who despite his incredible talent has something personally that's preventing him from playing, you know, a winning style, preventing him from contributing to a, to a team, preventing him from, um, you know, not getting in his own way in a sense. And so I have a feeling that if this continues, there's going to get to a point where they, they have to make some sort of move, you know, and I think there's a chance that he will be traded or bought out by the Nets. And maybe, maybe there's maybe even a chance within the next five years, he's kind of burnt his way out of the league. I don't know. That might be an extra bold prediction, but that's my prediction. We've talked about Kyrie. We've talked about Simmons. We've talked about the Nets and Durant, Steve Nash and, and Marks and, and all of that. We've burned through everything we need to talk about with the Nets. I could go on. I'm again, that should be it for now. We will revisit it when only when we absolutely have to, and we will try and focus on not talking about it too much. With that, let's escape this talk. Let's get prepared for tomorrow to have a fresh new show caught up on NBA action. Let's really quick check what tonight's games are looking like. We're in the final minute. Let's actually try and call this live. Let's do something brand new for this show. I am watching Memphis and Portland. John Morant misses a, a scoop layup. Memphis leads 103 to 100. Fourth quarter, 47 seconds left. Nurkic tries to draw the offensive foul, but he gets a blocking foul. I think that was on Desmond Bain. Oh, that's a tough call in that situation. I think that's the right call. Nurkic trying to swipe at the ball, not really in position. I think that's that's actually a pretty good call there. Um, yeah, look at look, for Memphis. I'm not sure who the high scorers have been. I've, I've had this game playing in the background. I haven't really been watching, of course, because I've been do, doing the podcast. Desmond Bain knocks down the first free throw. That's huge for them. Who's on the floor right now for, for both teams? For Memphis, of course, we've got Bain. We've got... Steven Adams and Aldama on the floor. And it looks like Morant and uh, somebody else is in the backcourt. For the Blazers, you got Nurkic and Grant. Nurkic is hobbling a little bit. That's not good to see. Uh, Keon Johnson's playing along with Simons. And I imagine Lillard's out there. Uh, didn't really get a chance to see. He was in the backcourt on the free throw. Um, 
that's where that game's at right now. Uh, looks like Baines maybe having a strong performance. Pull up three, corner three, yeah, doing his thing. Uh, let's check the box score for that one. We can do that real quick. Uh, yeah, it looks like he's not ultra-efficient from the floor, but 5-8 from three, 23 points. Adams with 11 boards. Morant, 20 points, 9 rebounds, 8 assists. So he's doing his thing. Eight turnovers, so that's a little bit rough. Uh, oh, sorry, no. Lillard is not playing in this game. Simon's got the start at point guard, 31 points, filling in nicely there. Nurkic, 23 and 13. Shaden Sharp gets the start at shooting guard. Nice, only two points. He's a rookie. He's shown some athletic moments. Oh, there was a dunk that I saw that he had in a game recently, and it was just amazing. Jeremy Grant, 19 points. Uh, looks like it's maybe been – it's not a ultra-high scoring affair, 105 to 100, especially with the, the pace the league's been setting with scoring. Uh, a little bit behind pace. Looks like maybe it's been a little bit more of a defensive struggle. Some guys not shooting ultra-efficiently combined. Trailblazers shooting 40% from the floor, 41 from three. Grizzlies are 45% from the floor, 46% from three. It's just unbelievable, right? Both teams are shooting a higher percentage from three-point range than from the floor in general. Um, Blazers are shooting higher from free throw line. Okay, here we go. Portland inbound. Memphis is up 105 to 100. Josh Hart with it. Oh, that's a bad play. That's uh, That might just about end it. I think Hart's been having some solid games for him, too, and now – now they've got a foul. You, you have to think if they're sending Bane to the line, that's going to end it. Just kind of an odd play from uh, Josh Hart. I mean, he drove baseline trying to to collapse some guys and kick it out, tries to throw it to the corner-ish, and uh, Morant just yeah, picks it off. I mean, kind of an easy play for them. Um, trying to make something of nothing. It looks like Portland only has one timeout. Um but you have to think if Bain makes a second free throw, that's probably going to uh, seal the deal for Memphis. Uh, and he does make it. That's a, it's, it's going to be a tough loss for Portland at home. Bain scored the last seven points. Uh, I guess from the point that the game was tied, he scored the last seven. Oh, there's a three and a foul. Never mind. Maybe I've spoken too soon. Jeremy Grant gets fouled by Aldama. Um, how much time do we have? I, I think we've got time on this on this zoom recording uh i'll go ahead and say i'm recording this through zoom simply because i don't have uh enough technical knowledge to know a better way to record it right now we'll maybe get there but um yeah grant tough three-pointer draws a foul on aldama that's definitely the last thing you want to do if you're memphis but now it's a three-point game 23 seconds and who's gonna call a timeout here Portland or Memphis? Somebody called timeout. Memphis calls timeout. So one timeout each. Memphis leads by three. Portland's probably going to have to foul again, but oh, it's not quite over yet. I still think Memphis, of course, has a strong chance to win, but you never quite know. You never know for sure. Um, let's see. I thought, they, I thought they might go to the uh, commercial break. But, yeah, big three from Jeremy Grant to to bring the game close. Look at the other game. Uh, ooh, Pelicans and Lakers are close. Depending on time, we might want to try and call that one too. Do something we haven't – again, keep this going. This is fun. 
we can't do this on every show, I'm sure, but we can we can try our best, you know. Um, next, let's see. We can talk about the plan for Thursday. Uh, Thursday might be some more catching up. We might kind of change up the schedule. Of course, we discussed that last Thursday as far as what the normal schedule should look like for the podcast. Um, Thursday might look different for now. Uh, probably a safe bet would be that it should look fairly similar to what uh, I've talked about previously for the schedule. But yeah, let's look at the scoring here again. It's got yeah, Bain 25, 7 to 16. Here we go. Memphis with the inbound on their side of the floor. The big moment. Portland crowd is up. Can they get a steal or something? They throw it into the backcourt. That's a smart play. And Josh Hart is frustrated. It's always interesting because, of course, you know, the refs know the game just as well as the players do in a lot of senses. They have to know that Hart is trying to foul in that case, and then they, they take a couple seconds before actually calling the foul. Um, good play by Memphis to just run it into the backcourt, you know, avoid the foul for at least a, a second or two. Desmond Bain knocks down the first free throw. Of course, he's been a great piece for Memphis. I think he's only in his third or fourth season, something like that. Um, I know there was a talking point early in the season. Ooh, there you go. There's points by quarter. He only had nine points through the first three quarters and then 17 in the fourth, really. Came alive. Uh, I'm not sure if Memphis was down at that point, if it was a close game. Hard to say without having watched the game for myself. Here we go. Five-point game. Simons brings it up. He's doing a lot of hesitations. They get it to Jeremy Grant again. Oh, he almost banks it in. Hart with the rebound kicks it out. Johnson, that's not going to go. And Memphis has got the board, and that is going to do it. They've got a foul. You have to think that's going to close out the game. Bain with a smile on his face tried to bounce a lob to John Morant. Uh, they cut away. Didn't see if he actually dunked it or not. Uh, yeah, you're starting to see some Portland fans leave the arena. Uh, who's that? The rookie Roddy has got a back brace wearing, uh, wearing a back brace on the bench. Bain again to the free throw line. You have to think he's gonna ice the game here. Yep, free throw there. At least a two possession game. Eight seconds left. That's probably gonna seal the deal for that game. Let's jump real quick to this. Uh, see what we can from this Pelicans Lakers game 103 to 102. Um, uh, you gotta have league pass. I don't have league pass at the moment. I'm hoping to get it soon, but, uh, 341 left in the game close. I'm going to make a, well, let's do this way. Let's make a prediction, a, a last prediction for our Wednesday where we do predictions. We'll get the score. Zion's had a solid game. Valanciunas adds 10 boards. McCollum 16, not great shooting. Lakers, Lonnie Walker, 25. LeBron, 14. Anthony Davis, 16, 10. Uh, Westbrook, 13 off the bench. Here's my prediction. I think Lakers win this. LeBron uh, kind of turns it into overdrive in a sense. LeBron kind of powers them to a win here in these last few minutes. That's my prediction. Last three minutes, LeBron has some strong scoring or maybe some assists and powers the, them to victory. We'll, we'll revisit that on Thursday and see how close I was on the prediction. With that, that takes us through all the Wednesday 
games, all the games before, or at least the, the key ones that we talked about, we've got power rankings. We've got our week two MVP. We've got the key news, or at least the big storylines covered. Let's end, of course, with a this day in history fact. Our fact for today's show, week three, Wednesday, comes from 1946, November 2nd, 1946. Red Auerbach made his professional coaching debut for the Washington Capitals in a 50-33 to road win over the Detroit Falcons. Both of those are defunct franchises. Um, Washington Capitals, not to be confused with the caps of the ABA, different franchise altogether. Um, wow, 50-33. to 33. Capitals and Falcons. Unbelievable. 46, what a what a point from NBA history. Red Auerbach, the coaching legend. And with that, that takes us through our Wednesday show. Thank you again uh, for listening. That hopefully, again, covers everything that we need to talk about. We'll get more into our award races at some point, either this week or uh, as our regularly scheduled time has it, Tuesday of next week. Um, hopefully, we'll be joined by a co-host uh, tomorrow and Friday. If not, it'll just be me doing a shorter style show, uh, kind of running through what the more normal structure should look like. Uh, again, I would like to apologize as the show ends for the um, lack of consistency with the streaming or not streaming the podcast schedule. Um, of course, doing this along with, uh, you know, personal work lives uh, is not easy, but it's especially not easy in a time where you're planning a move and a new work situation and having a lot of flux in your personal life um, even more in the last couple of days than I had regularly anticipated. Um, but regardless, this is a project that I am still passionate about um, doing a podcast talking about the NBA and the game that I love uh, with you know some of the friends that I have, some of the people I enjoy talking to most and people I think who have you know some some good uh, decent you know background as far as joining me and talking about the league and who can provide some interesting uh, points of their own, some differing points from mine and help make the show. Uh, very interesting and very exciting. So again, we uh, I'm sure we, but me especially, apologize for uh, the, the show's inconsistency. Uh, again, I can only do my best to promise that show the show will be more consistent going forward. Uh, I do have the show planned for tomorrow, uh, Thursday. There's nothing that should get in the way of that, at least uh, as I see it right now. But with that, Thank you again for listening, for getting caught up with me tonight, uh, week three Wednesday. Tomorrow, week three Thursday, we'll see what's going on in the league, looking uh, to forward, maybe even getting to award race discussion, but also hopefully getting to some of our uh, more franchise-specific uh, talking points and making sure that's one of the big things I want to do with this show, that we're not always just talking about the big market franchises uh, you know, the, the Nets, the Knicks, the Lakers, the Clippers, and of course the, the, the big name contending teams, the Bucks and the Lakers. It seems like usually you get that same dose of about seven or eight teams that are consistently talked about. And every once in a blue moon, the, the middle of the pack teams or the struggling teams get a brief mention for a player or a certain game. But I would really like to be able to focus on all the franchises as much as possible all the players, um, and also the history of the game as well. And that's 
what we'll hopefully focus on Thursday. We'll maybe also get into our award races discussion. But with that, uh, I've been Karsten. Thanks again for listening. And we will uh, be back tomorrow.